Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I don't know if I'm exhausted because we're up earlier than usual to record this or just yes. because there were an insane amount of results yesterday that we got to talk about. Both, both, <laughs> 100% both. We, we are, we are here Monday morning. Um, there are still like, we were going to do this Tuesday, but then I realized on Sunday, I was like, you know what? Both the women team, both of the teams on the women's side play in texas and baylor we will talk about them on this podcast but we're done i mean everybody's done for the first two rounds uh in texas uh i have you know lsu at seven o'clock tonight but this is a texas podcast so who cares about that um except texas will play the winner of, of that game but we'll get to them later uh let's start with the men though and we're, we're gonna go in order of of uh when they were played because we really didn't have a bad game on the men's side at all uh the biggest disparity was houston beating illinois which could be the most surprising i i I think maybe but uh houston ends up beating illinois uh 68 to 53 in a game that was much closer much closer than the final score houston really pulled away at, at the end there um but for a lot of this game it was back and forth illinois comes back i mean coffee uh kofi coburn the guards get going with Plummer a bit, but it was both to me a display of Houston's defense and Illinois' limited upside and limited ceiling, which we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, I don't know if this result surprised me, but you know, I picked Houston to lose this, right? Because we we talked about how their ceiling felt a little lower this year. Um, and I, I had this be in the game where they stumbled. And, yeah, I, they, I thought Kofi Coburn would give them more problems. Obviously, he still finished with, I believe, a game higher. I think Taze Moore had, a, had the game high, but Kofi Coburn still had 19 points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they kept him off the boards really well, which I think was the biggest surprise. He only had, uh, I believe, eight total rebounds, five on the defensive glass, and the rest of it was just kind of – them not being able to really figure anything out. I mean, uh, Carbello couldn't get going off the bench, and it it was it was kind of one of those Houston just kind of Houston performances, right? It was like a fifteen offensive rebounds to five for Illinois, and they just kind of had that scramble defense when uh, Illinois had the ball. And I know a couple of Illinois fans, and they were just like it. It felt like when those runs and those offensive boards and those putbacks and just kind of happened, they, they were admitting to me, it's like, I don't know how Illinois get, gets back in this game because they're so, 
committed to getting Kofi Coburn going. And then you're trading, you know, kind of these momentum plays for just kind of slow it down post-ups or, or whatever Kofi Coburn can kind of do. And when Houston kind of got running, it was like, they were like, I don't know how, you know, they, they, I think they, obviously they had seen this Illinois team, you know, obviously all year. And so they were like, we've seen this before and they lose these kind of games. And that kind of surprised me because I thought Illinois would be one of the teams that would be able to, um, to pull it off. Cause I believe, I think wasn't, weren't they in the same region last year? Illinois and lost I, in the second round. And Illinois yes, lost. Yes, that's what I was yeah. saying. Like Illinois lost. Yeah. So we didn't get to see this yes. game last year. Um, but this was one of the teams that, yeah. you know, Houston quote unquote avoided because of remember how there were so many upsets in that region. Um, I, again, I really thought this would be a team that they would stumble against, but obviously not. No. Yeah. Cause Illinois, the entire season, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not a big 10 aficionado, but the entire season has kind of underachieved right. to, uh, to their talent level. I mean, the guards alone, Trent Frazier and um, uh, Alfonso Plummer, you start with those two and then Andre Curbelo as well off the bench who did absolutely nothing in this game. Mm-hmm. Look at those three as a backcourt, and that's where Illinois and a lot of teams or people across the country are like, this team has so much potential because you pair those guys with Kofi Coburn and then you have some pieces around it and you're like, okay, that's where um, they really are going to be tough, a tough out. Right. Well, the Houston guards were just incredible. Like they completely outplayed those three that I mentioned from Illinois, Taze Moore, Jamal Shedd, Kylo Edwards, 21, 18 and 15 respectively. All of them, I mean, well, Taze Moore, 9 of 16 from the field. Jamal Shedd, 7 of 13 from the field. Kyler Edwards got to a slow start, ends up hitting some big shots late, 5 of 16 from the field uh, with four assists. And they were in complete control, absolute control on offense. They they put up 68 points, um, as, as I mentioned. And the Moore and Shedd especially, I felt like, were never out of control. And that's the same thing that happened against UAB, right? Against UAB, we were like, they dominated them. UAB couldn't get them uncomfortable. Like, once again, Houston was completely comfortable in this game. They're rebounding 15 offensive rebounds against a team that with a huge, huge player in Kobe Coburn. Um, One of my friends thought, uh, predicted that Kofi Coburn would have a tough time against this Houston defense, and he was right. Uh, Kofi had some buckets late to inflate his stats a bit, but I mean, there for our team that you know Josh Carlton, for Josh Carlton to be able to go toe to toe with Kofi Coburn, mm-hmm. that was that really I feel like instilled confidence in the rest of the team and the guards yeah. to take over the way that they did. It was just an all around effort, which it's been the entire year once uh, the two starters went down. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. I don't know the ceiling with this Houston team anymore. I really don't like uh, if Taze Moore is going to be playing like this, like he has been, I, you know, he obviously came on towards the middle of the season, but he's been, he's been really great. And he was somebody who I didn't really expect to come in and kind of have this kind of an impact when, you know, Houston lost its two go-to scores um, back to back. And so like, he's kind of turned it on and he's, he's had two great tournament, two great tournament games now. And he's kind of been, in a lot of ways, their ex not not even their X factor, but the more their go to player in a lot of these in a lot of these moments. And so, I mean, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stop trying to project this Houston team because like I don't know where their ceiling or floor is anymore. I really don't. All all we know at this point is they're not a five seed, 
and yeah, they no, fair, fair. have Arizona up next in a game that I cannot wait to watch. Like that <sighs> is just going to be a game and Houston is going to give them, it give them complete fits because yep. um, let's, I mean, we might, no, let's talk, let's go TCU first. Let's go to, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, let, let, let's go TCU from that one. Cause I thought for a while we were going to get TCU versus Houston and boy, this was, this was the game of the day. This was it. And TCU ends up losing to Arizona 85 to 80 in a game that they very well could have won if, I mean, if Matherin does not hit a three with about what, 12 seconds left? Something like that. And some, yeah, not, not a lot of time left in regulation yeah. to tie the game. In, um, and then I believe Mike Miles dribbles it down, gets trapped, and instead of passing out of it, tries dribbling around. Gets bumped, loses the ball. Arizona picks it up, goes in for a layup at the buzzer, and it is clearly not off in time. Well, you went for the dunk, you didn't go for the layup. Yeah, it was like if you went for the layup, it probably goes in. Like if we're being honest, yeah, because like, he, if the 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 buzzer went off, like the ball's like touching the rim, almost like like almost touching yes. the rim, but still in his hands. Yeah. Uh, so if he goes for like a little layup and just like literally just finger rolls it or something, like it's probably off in time um yeah which i th- honestly i think is i think the ncaa is really happy that the, he didn't get it off in time because you look at that last play mike miles was fouled right like it was it was clear like if you watch that play i think even the timekeeper thought he was fouled because if you look at it the clock stops for like a half second on 2.2 and so i think that the timeskeeper assumed, oh, Mike Miles fell down, like he hit it, like yeah, I think he like on reflex hit it. Um, but yeah, I didn't notice. I actually didn't notice that part until somebody pointed it out. If you go back and watch, yeah, it's literally when Mike Miles hits the ground and loses the ball, the clock stops at two point two for like a half second. And so, like, I think that combined with if he would have gotten the dunk off, it just would have been a whole a whole thing, you know, where it's like, Oh, look what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. So I'm glad they got to play this game out because this game was insane. Eddie Lampkin giving what's his face, the two short (laughs) at seven, two. Yeah. Christian Coloco, the, 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 the two short, even though he's like seven, one, seven, two, Uh, Eddie Lampkin played out of his mind. He had 10, he had 10 offensive boards. It was 20. He finished with 20 and 14. Um, Mike Miles, of course, was doing Mike Miles stuff. Chuck O'Bannon was great. Like, and eventually just came down to Arizona's dude. Like Benedict Matherin was just like hitting some of the biggest shots I've ever seen. And it, I, man, it, it was, I don't know. The, the last, the last five minutes and overtime of this game were just, it was just bucket after bucket and momentum swing after momentum swing. I I always feel really happy when we watch a team reach their potential. Oh. Um, and TCU's obviously reached their potential probably a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, but this was the pinnacle, right? This was TCU versus Arizona, a nine versus a, a one seed. This is TCU arguably outplaying them for – no, they, they outplayed them in regulation. and I mean, mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. up for a majority of the game. Um, they – it felt like they were going to do it. And like you said, O'Bannon, 23 points, Miles, 20 points, Lampkin, 20 points, uh, Miller, 10 points. Uh, Damian Ball is the only one that didn't play well, three of 17 from the field. 
but like this is this is what TCU this is TCU at their peak and this is great because again like we said last podcast we don't need to regurgitate it but a month ago we did not see this performance possible like, yeah there's just no way that they could have done this and now we look at this team completely different and we look at this team as one Benedict Mathurin miss from being in the Sweet 16. And just a great, great, great into the year, but also just a great year, 21 and 13, 8 and 10 in the Big 12. But to make the push to the NCAA tournament that they did is is just awesome. And what an awesome game that that they ended it with. And um, when's the last time TCU's even – made it to the second round i wonder i'm it'll take too long to look up probably but yeah uh just great great year uh from the horn frogs and i'm i'm just glad we got to see this i'm glad we got to see these guys play at this level and i think if you're if you're a tcu fan like you know aside from i believe i think chuck o'bannon's the only senior on this team you know so like you're you're kind of hoping and i don't know if he actually has eligibility or not to come back but um you're kind of hoping they just run it back, right? Because you, you saw, obviously, Mike Miles continue his breakout. You saw Eddie Lampkin turn into something that, you know, he, he turned into just an offensive rebounding monster, basically. I, I tweeted out yesterday, he looked like Elton Brand out there, just, like, battling with dudes bigger and longer than him. Um, Emmanuel Miller is still a junior. Like, he'll come back, he'll probably come back for his senior year. So, like, you have a team that, again, the Big 12 is what it is. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big 12, but, like, as we're seeing, fifth best team in the Big 12 is still a damn good team. Um, Iowa State's still playing. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, we're seeing, like, a team that could finish about fifth or fourth in the Big 12 and probably even next year. I mean, I don't know what the team's reloading around them, maybe moving up to third, um, pushing second. I don't know. If they continue this type of this type of play, I think they could push into that top uh, top top group. Um, and yeah, I mean, like just an insane turnaround and I'm glad they, I'm like you, I'm glad they got this showcase. Yeah. Mike Miles decision will obviously be huge in that as well. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. He comes back. Um, I'd probably say, he pro- I feel like he would just, cause- I feel like he's about a, yeah, I feel like he's one year away. Yeah. Like really a year away. Yeah. So, we'll um, last time they made the second round was 1987. Hmm. They finished 19th in the AP poll that year. Uh, they've lost in the first round two times since. Dang, is that true? They really only made the tournament twice since 1987. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember it was a big wow. deal when they got when they got the NIT um, a couple years ago under under wow. Dixon. Wow. So yeah, they lost as a five seed and lost as a six seed in those two times since then. Yeah. The six seed in 2018. Um, all right. Yeah, let, let's jump to since we I jumped out of order there. Uh, let's go back to Texas Tech because this game was this was I thought they were gonna lose. Like I Notre, Notre, this this was weird. This is a weird game. The the way this game ended. Yeah. So I I, I watched it because I um I was watching this while I think I was watching North Texas. Is mm-hmm. that right? Because yeah, North Texas is played at five. This game was at four ten. So yeah, I was watching both, at the, and then I was watching the Baylor women at the same time. That's when I was triple screening this this thing, and so I I go back because I recorded it. I go back afterwards at night, and I'm like, okay, let me rewatch the last ten minutes of this game to make sure I have 
under control. And I was like, yep. The last however many minutes was just Texas Tech getting stops and then them getting fouled. Yeah. And they just made like, I don't know how many free throws they made at the end, but they just made like 10 free throws to ice this game. It's like, oh, all right. And then the game's over. And you're just like, there's no like pinnacle moment to where like somebody hits a huge shot. Um, But it was a bunch of big plays though from guys like Marcus Santos Silva. Um, Bryson Williams had a couple uh, big buckets. Again, they got to the free throw line and Kevin O'Banner had some huge rebounds as well. He ends the game with 15 rebounds, seven offensive. Uh, it was just all of these. And I say all that to say it was just a culmination of a bunch of winning plays similar mm-hmm. to Houston. It was, it wasn't anything like, again, it wasn't a Kevin McCullers step back three to give them the lead late. Mm-hmm. No, it was Kevin O'Banner getting a rebound and then going up and getting fouled. And then they just got to stop. And then Santo Silva getting a block and then getting fouled and then making the free throws. Like it was just a winning play, winning play, winning play. And Texas Tech wins 59 to 53 in a game. They were down three with two minutes left or three with three minutes left, somewhere around there. Yeah. Gutsy win. Gutsy yeah. Win. No, I remember I was a little, um, one, this Notre Dame team has been scrappy as hell for a team that like snuck into the, the, the first four basically. Um, but I was worried when I believe it was like 10 minutes or something to go in the first half. And like, I think they threw up a stat. It was like Notre Dame was one of nine and had three turnovers on their last like 11 possessions. And tech was only up six. And I was like, all right, is this one of those games where their offense just like doesn't get going? And it doesn't matter that they're, that they're, uh, you know, shutting this team down. And, yeah, kind of. It kind of turned into one of those games where they're just like, we, they got to just make this game muddy. And I think that's what I love about this tech team, where it's like clearly they were the better team offensively and defensively on any given night, right? They're the better team than Notre Dame. But as we've seen, this offense can get streaky and this offense can miss shots and this offense can get stagnant. And, and they were just like, all right, throw that goes out the window, right? We're just not going to try to win this game offensively or with shooting or whatever. Um, Cause I remember, I think it was to get the tech, the Texas game where they're hitting all these threes and you're like, well, that, that's not how they win games usually. So mm-hmm. like Texas is in trouble if they're winning, if they're doing this. Um, and sure enough, they went four 15 from three in this game. Not good. 17 of 44 from the floor. Again, not good. And then they were just like, yep, nope. We're just going to make sure they shoot. I don't know what noted, uh, 33%, right? So like they were just going to make sure that they shot way worse than they did. And somehow they did. Um, they, when they finished nine of 28 from three, Notre Dame Jack 28, three, that is nuts. Um, but yeah, it's just just a wild, uh, a good win, a gutsy win. Because like I said, Notre Dame team was scrapping out wins probably where they they shouldn't have shouldn't yeah. have been. I was I was right. They were down three with two minutes left, and they made you know, Texas Tech makes eight straight free throws. Well, fifty seven to fifty two. Yeah, um, late. Uh, like like you said, I watch games, especially games I have to do podcasts for, and you start coming up with. Um, not storylines, but you come up with reasons and you come up with, you know, things in your head to kind of explain it. And like you, like you said, I was like, they just can't score. They can't score mm-hmm. 49 points with, with three, with two minutes left in the game. Yeah. It felt like, and it was a really poor offensive showing from them. And it's like, all right, you're not going to be able to survive this in postseason play. If you 
have these games where you just literally cannot score the ball. Right. And I think, you know, if they played a team that was, if they played like, if, well, that's the thing. They, they didn't have to because they're a three seed, right? They didn't have to play like a Purdue. They didn't have to play Arizona. Like um, they didn't even have to play like Illinois. They were able to play Notre Dame who they are going to suffocate a team like Notre Dame. And so that's what makes it interesting moving forward is now, because I don't have too much more on this game. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. They just literally locked them up and gutted out a win. Like it was ugly, but trust me as a North Texas fan, I've seen a lot of ugly postseason wins in my time. And that's just what you have to do sometimes. So mm-hmm. projecting forward, you play Duke. Whew. And in the first game of the tournament, Texas Tech scores like 98, seven points or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And in the second game, they scored 59. Really, it was probably like 49. So which team are we going to get? Because this team cannot score 50. They can't even score 59 points if they're going to be Duke. You right. can't. Duke nope. is, they, they got pros here, and I, they're not perfect by any means. Texas Tech can definitely win this game, but they can't score 59 points. No. And so that's what I'm looking at. Like, this is going to be really, really interesting to me. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how they, who they throw at. Paolo Bancaro, um, I who under who they throw at um, Wendell Moore. Like, I'm curious about the matchups in this game because yeah, this is going to be a game where, you know, I could see Bancaro getting getting his 20 right, getting something wild. Um, and I wonder, or I wonder if this is a game where B, uh, uh, wow, almost had almost said a, a Freudian slip there. Uh, Mark Adams um, says. Bancaro is not going to beat us, right? Where it's like anybody but this guy. Um, and so they kind of throw the how to set him and make Duke kind of use everybody else around him. Yeah, they they, they play fast too, Duke does. So that's yeah. where they're going to have to make this a half-court game. You cannot let those athletes get in transition. Yeah. Um, and I, this is going to be tough. I don't know who – I don't I don't know. I, I definitely think Duke should be favored in this one just because I think sure. they – I mean, I watched them play Michigan State. They played really soft well against Michigan State. I thought that was a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bunch of great games yesterday, man. Uh, but, yeah, te- te- it's going to come down really – I think it's pr- pretty simply going to come down to Texas Tech's three-point shooting, which it does in big games at times. But they're mm-hmm. not a reliable three-point shooting team, right? They shoot 32% on the year. I think right. O'Banner is going to have to hit a couple. McCuller, Williams, like – Bryson Williams over four, O'Banner one for four. What have we said all year? If they can make that pick and pop three, they're a lot tougher to guard, obviously. Yep. Like, so we'll see how it goes. But I, I do not have a prediction for that one at this moment. Um, again, I would probably lean Duke, uh, just because I, I think I, they're playing better right now. Yeah. But the game is in San Francisco, which is technically, which is much closer to Texas Tech than just Duke. So true. Let's go, Red Raider Nation. <laughs> Come on out for that one. <laughs> You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything in the Oracle Center Arena. Or no, I'm sorry, not they don't play Oracle. The Chase Center. Yeah. Golden State. Um, if you're not doing anything, come on out. Have a good time. Support the team. Okay. Let's I think this starts our string of losses. TCU lost two, but that doesn't count as a loss. Texas. Season's Ooh, over, man. So so how how long were you crying in the bathtub at Texas season being over? I know you were just devastated. 
Oh, what else? What else are we going to talk about on this podcast if it's not whatever the hell Texas is doing? We lost week. all of our content ish. We have nothing else to talk about. God. Oh, we're just going to. This is uh, our last episode. I know. We're done. I know. I know, right? They provided so much content with ups and downs and whatever the hell this team was. And honestly, this this isn't it fitting that like this type of loss is like the last game for them, where it's like a game where Marcus Carr kind of goes off. And like the defense looks pretty okay in stretches, and then the defense just gets shredded in stretches, and then their size comes back to bite them, and they can't guard anybody over six right. <laughs> ten. And then, uh, and then their offense just stalls out like uh, when they need them most. And it was, it was like, oh yeah, here we go. This is everything. Everything with this team comes out in one fluid motion. Um, the first thing you're going to see in this game when you look up this when you look at the numbers is 46 free throws for, for, for two. And before anybody says anything, yes, Purdue deserved all of those free throws. They deserved more. They deserved more. 50, 60. I don't, don't want to hear anything from anybody about refs, about officials, because if you watch the game, Purdue said. These dudes can't guard Travion Williams and Zach Eady, and we are going to body them in the post because they can't. And I love that they stuck with, they never put them on the floor together, which I loved. There was always one or the other. And especially with Zach Eady, Travion Williams actually got to the bucket and like finished with like, what was it 10 of 13? Insane. But Zach Eady only had 12, two of six, but he had 12 free throws because he was so tall and Texas had nobody to guard him. So everything he threw up was a foul yeah. because everything was a hip or an arm check or something because he was seven, four and nobody could do anything. Um, yeah. For too long of this game. I mean, honestly, if I'm being honest, I tweeted this out too. Chris Beard knows infinitely more about basketball than I do. Yes. I don't know why they stuck with a one-on-one in the post for so long. That was the most frustrating thing to watch. You're watching, you're throwing you're throwing Christian Bishop. You're throwing Zach, uh, uh, Brock Cunningham at Travion Williams. Are you like Travion? I tweeted you so much. Travion Williams saw food in that post. Like it was back down, back down, jump hook, back down, back down, up and under, back down, back down, dive to the post, like dive to the rim. It was just like it took too long for them to send help. He had to call like a timeout to do something. And I don't know if it was a pride thing or what, but it was, that was, if I'm a Texas fan, that's what's frustrating me the most where it's like, we stuck one-on-one in the post for so long. And I get that they had Jaden Ivey who came on late, right? All American point guard, but you saw two dudes who were giving you the business. And to me, I'm like, I'll let the one dude try to do, you know, get something in Jaden Ivey instead of just like watching your team get, blended for 38 minutes and then the final two minutes was all Jaden Ivey but yeah that was that was a clinic by Purdue and if I'm being honest this Purdue team might be one of the best they've ever had so like part of me was like this is a matchup nightmare because they just don't have size um I also think they realized that Dylan DeSue was probably their best defensive matchup we knew um, that going in I mean to wait well wait, I think they realized it way too late because he came in and like yeah you know, they stuck with Bishop and, and Brock Cunningham for too long. And it was like, you know, Dylan DeSue was probably the guy you should have had. And granted, he had three thousand nine minutes because, of course. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just a, 
it was a great game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Cause like I said, Marcus Carr did kind of turn into the guy that we, they needed him to be. Um, and then until late, Andrew Jones is hitting shots too. But uh, yeah, that, I, if I'm Texas, if I'm a Texas fan, I'm very frustrated with how that ended. This game was a walking, breathing uh, hand to the floor. You're too short meme. Like that, that's, that, that's what this, this entire game was. I yeah. tweeted out at two in the morning. Uh, if I was Zach Eady, I would do that after every single bucket, every single free throw. Like if I make a free throw, I'm just like, hand to the floor. <laughs> you're too short. <laughs> like every single time. Cause imagine being the tallest player on a basketball court. That's right. Me. Always, anyways, always. It was like you said, I think they should have doubled them. I knew this game was over when I saw Brock Cunningham trying to guard either one of them there were times where he was guarding Zach Eady and there were times where he was guarding Travion Williams and no disrespect to Brock Cunningham but I don't want to see Brock Cunningham on the court when against Purdue I don't want to see him pass the first round of the NCAA tournament no and like there was a time and you mentioned all the different moves that Williams scored on he also scored on a damn dream shake on Brock Cunningham, and Brock Cunningham <laughs> he was did him with the dream. Death. He did hit him with the shimmy. Brock Cunningham, I think, evaporated, and just <laughs> never saw the court again. Which he, how many minutes did Brock Cunningham play? Let's he played see. twelve minutes. It was a good like twelve, oh, 16, 16 minutes. Sixteen minutes of Brock Cunningham. Yeah, that's a lot. Sixteen that's minutes. Lot. So not only did they not double the post, they had Brock Cunningham playing defense on Travion Williams and yeah. Zach Eady. I joked that they should have more free throws. They really should have. They just destroyed, destroyed this Texas defense in the second half because it's great Texas. And this is what you said in the last podcast. Um, I I said I was worried about their size, um, but I thought the defense as a whole could at least, you know, do a good job on Ivy and, you know, the continuity type stuff, do Mm -hmm. a fine job of. Well, it doesn't matter what their continuity does because they can't stop the one-on-ones in the post. Um, yeah. And when, like I said last podcast, when you, your tallest player is probably seven to eight inches shorter than Purdue's tallest player, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. And that's really all the game came down to. They couldn't stop them in the post. And even when they did, it instilled no confidence in me that they were sustainable. And I think as Texas as a team, like I've been on the court, I've been on the court, um, and this is completely pickup. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. where the other team just has one guy that's way taller, and you're like, this is unfair. Like, right. can can we – like, can this guy leave or something? Like, I don't <laughs> want to play with him anymore. And it, it's not that I'm guarding him, but, like, we as right. a team, a 6'7 guy, and our tallest guy is like a 6'2 guy that just got done lifting. Right. Bench press. is like – no, this is not fair. And yeah. that's exactly what Texas was feeling right now. I know that's what they were feeling because like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And so, yeah, this, this was a very predictable thing that you mentioned in the last podcast. I mentioned as a concern in the last podcast, and I'm sure Chris Beard was up, had sleepless nights thinking about this matchup, but it's just, it was over. It was over. They had no hope. And then, Purdue's defense is still awful, in my opinion. And they're so bad. I and so this is where I want to give kind of make a little transition here. Uh, yeah. Marcus Carr, you mentioned, had really good games back to back, back to back games. Uh, this game, I think, inst- made me realize he didn't have a bad season. He just couldn't figure it out against Big Twelve defenses. I think yes. that's really that's it. fair. Like, 
like put him against Purdue a bunch of times. He'll he'll put up twenty a game. I'm com- I'm right. confident in that because like they right. were sitting in drop coverage. They were sitting like they were they don't know how to play defense. Right. But you know against in the Big Twelve, it's it's very 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 different. So yeah, I want to give Marcus Carr a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Not saying that that's it's fine this sure. season, but yeah. I, I I think it was I think it also like it was him figuring out his role. Yes. Right. He, I think he did finally a lot later. Um, and that kind of obviously culminated in the tournament where, where it was like, okay, I don't need to be the initiator on the offense. Right. I can like, the, this team is good enough to where we can kind of, we don't need like a singular playmaking point guard. Everybody's kind of doing their role. Jones can pass a little bit like Timmy Allen can pass out of the, but you know, like it doesn't need to be, I need to be a floor general. And he started off great. Like I really like, again, this is, one of the things that I didn't like was, so they got hot in the beginning and they kind of fell in love with the jumper. And when you play Purdue, again, Purdue's not good on defense. They're not, I tweeted out, they're 90th in adjusted defensive efficiency. If they go on to like be in the final four, that's going to be like one of the worst defensive teams in yes. a long time to make it. Um, but they're incredible offensively, as we saw. And so I was like, well, that's why you attack. You go at Zach Eady, you go at Travion Williams, you put them in foul trouble. And they didn't do enough of that, in my opinion. But you know, you have bucket, you have bucket makers like like Andrew Jones and, and Marcus Carl, like we saw in the past two games. And so yeah, I I I I was wondering if Marcus Carr would come back. I think he might, just because he looked like he was figuring it out late. Um, it looked like he was really figuring it out late. And so we'll see. Um, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, you're obviously annoyed with how the season ended, but I think in the big games, they figured something out. They against good teams, I think they figured something out. They they stumbled against bad teams early on. That's where we were like really trying to figure out what the hell they were doing. Yeah. And then they started to put those games away. And then they started to play, but I think they just lost to better teams late on, yes. right? They lost to Kansas, they lost to Baylor, lost to Tech. The, all, all three of the uh, Baylor probably should still be in, but you know, Kansas and tech are still in. I think they just lost to better teams straight up. And if you're, if you're Chris Beard, you know, you probably, you see what happens at guard. You see what the, you know, I think Dylan Mitchell freshman's coming in. Uh, Arterio Morris is coming in. You, you go get a big who you can, who can kind of bang down low and do dirty work and you run it back and you'll see, you know, I, th- I think it's okay. I think they will be fine. Yeah. You definitely get a big that's over six eight. That's what you do first. Yeah. Um, or or like at least like a, a a Santo Silva type, right? Or it's like somebody who's just like just there. To yeah, make but you play. need at least one six ten player. Sure, I mean, I know sure, Tech sure. doesn't have that yeah, technically, but um, Tech's defense is a lot better than Texas. Right. Yeah. Or yeah, you just go get a defensive specialist. So yeah. the Brock Cunningham of the post, basically, right? Where it's like instead of throwing Brock Cunningham out there. You put him in the perimeter where he's actually pretty good. He's actually a good defender. Yeah. And you leave a post to actually defend the post. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's 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 get rolling here. Uh, yeah. won't spend too much time on the rest. Um, well, one game. We got one game to spend. Yeah, we, we got, got one game one game. Uh, but Texas and Texas women's basketball, we do not have to spend a lot of time on because rolling. Rolling. I thought rolling. I, I had some time between. The, the afternoon, the Houston game and the late game. So I went to the gym and I, I watched the first half of this uh, kind of while I was at the gym. And I was just like, okay, Texas got this. Good job. <laughs> the defense looked really, really good. And I, they're making shots, which is the biggest thing for Texas, right? Sometimes they, they don't they don't make shots, but Aaliyah Moore, mm-hmm. 21 points, 
Ali Mataru, 14 points. Rory Harmon, 11. Joanne Alentaro, 12. Good showing. Good showing from Texas. They got the winner of, of tonight's game that I'll be at LSU and a uh, bit of a. Ohio State. Ohio State. Thank you. Whew. Uh, you know, that's why I had a little pause there. I was waiting for you to come in and, you know, help me out. <laughs> Finish the log. <laughs> um, but Baylor, 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 Baylor. I don't know where to start. I was speaking watching, of, like I said, I was teams watching. that reared uh, all their flaws in one, <laughs> one swing. This was worse. This was way worse. Yeah, I yeah. was I was watching this game again while I was watching like the tech game, and then also when the North Texas game was on. But I turned it on at the end of the first quarter, and it was down. They were down sixteen to four. They were down eleven nothing. <laughs> and the, the second quarter, while it got better, it really didn't get better at any point in the game ever like did they ever and i i asked this kind of hypothetically because i think i know the answer but like did they ever cut it within like eight it didn't i think they got it to within eight it didn't um, feel like it like it was just right. like the entire game south dakota just kept making shots making shots making shots and every possession felt the same for baylor every possession felt like all right well we're gonna try to score inside with igbo uh, and smith but like smith had nothing going down and was South Dakota was playing really aggressive defense and Baylor guards could not bail them out at all. Like, nope. I don't want to read these field goal percentages because they might be viewed as like obscenities at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, Asbury, Lewis, Andrews, we knew that the, the style of play of this team was going to force them to be really good, or at least one of them to be really, sure. really good every single game and none of them were good and it's over. I was, I was, I was going to say like, when's the last time that like all of them were off? Probably like, every lost this. I don't. Yeah. It's just like, like, cause all th- like, <sighs> did I even say the final score? They lost 61 to 47, 47. Yeah. That's about to say, yeah, you forgot. Yeah. You forgot to mention final score. So they, they cut it, they cut it to four with two minutes to go in the f- second quarter. And that was it. They'd never got that close again. Um, and so, yeah, like you, like you, I was waiting for like the run to happen, right? Where it was like, oh man, here's where Nelissa Smith gets going, or here's when the guards start hitting. And they finished five of 26 from three. Um, Jamie Asbury, I'm going to read off some percentages because we, we got, you know, we might have to slap the explicit. You have, e you on have a stuff. child in the car, please. <laughs> Cover their, Cover their ears. Jamie Asbury, one of eight from three. Jordan Lewis, one of seven from three. Sarah Andrews, two of seven from three. Um, that's the game. Like straight up, that's the game. You you get in, and by the way, credit to South Dakota because they basically, if you watch the shots they take, they're not going at Alyssa Smith and Alyssa Smith. They're just like they're hitting jumpers and they're just they're stopping in the lane or they're hitting a three. They're pick, they're popping out like they're just like, yeah, you can have the paint. We're going to like if we go at Queen Agbo and Alyssa Smith, we're going to lose. So cool. You know, we'll, we'll gladly pop up from the mid range, pop up from three. And they were it just it caught fire. They shot incredibly from the floor. They, and also the other thing that I think just came back to but they're deeper. Like, you know, South Dakota was deeper. And when you have no, basically no guards off the bench for Baylor, you have to, st- none of the guards are on and they had to stick with them. 
they had to stick with all these guards that that they were that were off and if you're if if you have anybody else right you're you're giving jordan lewis a rest you're giving sarah edges a rest and you're saying all right let's try to figure it out they went big with caitlin bickle uh which actually was some of their best uh some of their best moments were when they just went three bigs and was like we got to figure something out um and try to hammer some advantage but you know they basically that was basically their only other strategy which was we got to go big because they had no guards off the bench and that's kind of something that we've talked about where it's like okay well what's this team depth wise especially that you know kamari mcdaniel left uh in the middle of the season so it was like okay well there was their theoretical answer and she was gone so yeah Yeah, that's 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 it again all the problems the depth the guards the um the thing only the only positive that came from this was queen egbo playing oh she was great which which in games this year that she that has not been the case but she played she did her thing Anelisa Smith, four of eleven. Just you know, that's a tough way for her, for her to go out. But as a team, they just got they just got beat. They just got absolutely beat. And uh, to only have twelve free throws as a team, Anelisa Smith only three free throws. I mean, that's just not going to get get it done in the tournament. So upset there, two versus ten. Uh, we'll we'll talk about Baylor's offseason uh, surely over this over the over the offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's real quick wrap up the NIT because pretty much over now except for AM. SMU loses to Washington State. Really disappointing results. We most people had SMU at least making the to like Madison Square Guardian in the semis, but right. uh losing to Washington State who I just don't I don't even know where Washington State is in Ken Palm. They can't be that high Wash. They're definitely not that high. Uh, they're, okay they're higher than I thought. They jumped up a bit. They're 46 okay. now. Good for oh. them. Um, all right. Uh, but SMU was favored in this one. And, you know, a lot of people picked SMU to, to come out of this. Yeah. Um, North Texas losing to Virginia in overtime in an awesome, awesome game um, that obviously I watched because I do. North more more slow pace, more slow pace teams. The over hits in regulation. The over under was 109.5 and it was 55 55 at the end of regulation. So there you go. take that, all <laughs> of you who say that they play slow, the over hit. <laughs> Um, and then AM walk rolled to the quarterfinals and they'll play Wake Forest. So AM is still alive. Uh, we'll see if they can get the the vaunted NIT championship. Um, but yeah, credit to UNT for I think ending their season on a semi-high note, uh, because that was a really good game against Virginia yeah. at home. And then SMU, no shame. Yeah, we'll probably uh we'll have to do like a a little bit of like a, I mean, we got some time before the next couple of games. So like, you know, some like retrospect on like where we think Texas Baylor women and SMU kind of go from here. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, definitely. We'll, whether that's, yeah, this week we'll, we'll see um, how that goes, but uh, yeah. All right. That's it. We ran through everybody. We got it. We got it yes, done. Sir. Um, again, games pick up on Thursday. I know tech versus Duke is on Thursday. And um, I don't know when Houston, Arizona is, uh, which day that is, but man, I can't wait for those. So um, yeah, that's all we got for y'all today. Uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us. Check us out at, uh, at DCT basketball on Twitter, uh, textbasketball.com online. You follow Ish on Twitter, Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, we appreciate y'all for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later.